right in. I'll get on my horse and ride here this morning. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important one? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. I pray that you would quicken each heart, make us uh, uh, able to receive what you want to say to us today. Open our ears. Give us ears to hear, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I know that, that love and worship are two different concepts, and that's true. I'm not sure that you can uh, distill the two concepts, though, when it comes to God. I'm not sure that you can say, oh, well, I love God, I don't worship Him. Or I worship God, but I don't love Him. I, I, that, I, I think they have to go together. I think they're joined at the hip. Uh, if you love Him, you definitely will worship Him. In any event, the dimensions involved in love also can be applied to worship or should be applied to worship loving with a divided heart is a nice poetic way of saying a cheat and god takes a very dim view of that now he not only takes a very dim view of it in terms of the seventh commandment in terms of marriage but he takes a very dim view of it in terms of worship uh, just one passage i'll reference here deuteronomy 32 16 they made him jealous excuse me, with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. And if, as you read the Old Testament, as you read uh, the writings of Moses, and especially uh, when you read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you discover that oftentimes God uses this word jealous with regard to people worshiping other gods, worship, people who are supposed to worship him having a divided heart. Loving with a divided soul, emotions, is a guy who prefers video games to his family, or football, or the gal who prefers shopping, or whatever it is that women watch on television. Um, what do y'all watch? <laughs> Lifeline? Lifetime. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll do the dinner later, dear. You know, Lifetime's on. Lifetime is a channel, though, isn't it? It's always on. It's 24-7. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's a divided emotion in, in love. Loving with a divided mind is a guy who's uh, checking out his iPhone on the date. Now, come on, gals. Listen, listen up for just a minute. You know, I mean, he's asked you out. He's going, oh, you know, you're just, you're, you're really wonderful and but at the same time, you know, he's, 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 he's giving it this. Yeah, yeah, you're looking good. You know, you're really, you're really looking good tonight. And of course you have my undivided attention. Yeah. You get a guy like that, uh, no. Nah. <laughs> because if that's the way he does before you get married. Loving with a divided strength is a person whose actions don't line up with their words. That's what loving with a divided strength is. They say one thing and do another. 
My contention is that worship should be a heart-rending, soul-searching, mind-expanding, physically exhausting experience. And maybe not all four at once, because that'd be kind of hard to do. But all of them are important. And together, when they do come together, when when, when all four of them do get to happening together, there's this incredible synergy that's created that the Bible would describe as spirit and truth. I asked uh, ask Wayne, oops, I'm sorry, yeah, I had, had this up here. Uh, yeah, let me, let me go back to this. Let's go back to the mind for just one second because uh, it, it says, okay. Why didn't somebody tell me I was behind? Are y'all, are y'all, are y'all with me or against me? This morning. I mean, you know, if something really messes up, let me know, okay? Somebody do one of these things. Can y'all do this? I just want to know, okay? What's wrong? Okay, never mind. This, 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 uh, this, mind, this mind thing. James 1 8, a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Y'all know that passage, right? Yeah. I love the way that the King James, I mean, not the King James. The Message Bible, King James Message, you know, one. What, what Eugene Peterson does with it, he says, a, a, a person adrift at sea, keeping open all your options. We love to keep our options open. We love options. And in fact, we feel like it's our God-given right to have options and keep those options open. I was born into a nation of options. God is not as impressed with that as we are. He doesn't necessarily feel like we should have a whole bunch of options. Just one. And and really, there are only two options in life. Life and death. Choose one or the other. Okay, now we're going. This is the guy whose words and actions don't line up. Okay? That's my thought. Oh, guys aren't like that. Guys are like that. Are there, where, where'd all the girls go? They need to hear this this morning. Guys are like that. Don't trust them. They're sneaky. They're immature. <laughs> okay, let's move on now. I, I asked Wayne to do this song. Uh, well, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, boy, I've gotten way behind. Ask him to do the Heart of Worship song. It's been a long time since we've done it. It's an old song. I still remember the first time I heard it. And the first time I heard it, I, was, I had an Isaiah 6 moment. I was undone. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. This song was written by uh, uh, Matt Redman, and it, it came out of a season at their church, uh, Soul Survivor Church in Watford, England, where people were getting too focused. People had been getting too focused on, on the band. And the pastor um, was really not just getting tired, but he, he, he was spiritually attuned to the fact that he was hearing a lot of oh, I like that guitar player better than this guitar player. Or, 
wow, that drummer's so much better. Wow, but she sings better than, than he does. Oh, that song again. I wish they would do this song. He was hearing all this, and he, and he finally just went, mm, and fired the band. And basically, they unplugged for a season, just connected with God. We've got an amazing level of, of talent in the worship arts department here, and <laughs> okay, and they're all fired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't where I was going until y'all started clapping. I, I, I just want to say, uh, okay, I might change my mind, but... And I'm, I'm totally cool with people talking about the great worship. You know, I, I love to go there, man. The worship's great. You know, and I'm just messing with them when I say, yeah, and the preaching? Okay, wait, I don't want to be fired. Hold on. But, uh, you know, I, I, I am. But sometimes I get concerned that when they say the worship is great, they're not talking about the worship. We're talking about the worship team. Because the worship team, yeah, that's great, but that's not. And it's not necessarily, it's not the team's fault that they're talented. And, and the heart of what they're doing, by and large, is not a matter of, hey, look at me. Or, boy, am I having, you know, I, I just love to be on stage. I'm having fun. That's not what it is. Because we are very much blessed by the leadership that we have, both up here and, and down here. Uh, and in the early service, Claudia was talking about going to Zimbabwe, and she was talking about Bruce and, and Wayne, and it was something I really hadn't thought about, but uh, I hadn't been there in a long time. But the fact that they were able to speak to the people there as, as, uh, as fathers in a way that the people there didn't normally get to see because the life expectancy in Zimbabwe, I believe, is 37. It's in the 30s, pretty sure. So they don't see a lot of people that age. And I'm not, you know, I'm not being facetious here about this. Uh, uh, they, don't, they don't see people in their 60s. They don't see a lot of gray hair. And it's a real blessing to have somebody in their mid-60s who's got their hand on the, on the, on the throttle, who's been around the, been around the mountain a few times and understands what worship is and why you're supposed to be doing it. And, and somebody who's not in their mid-60s but is in the club leading the, the, worship, the, the dance ministry. Let, let me tell you, Claudia's main concern, uh, she, she is more concerned with what the people dancing are wearing and that it's modest and that it not distract than she is with the movements that they're doing. Do you know how big that is? How important that is? And, and Wayne, Wayne sometimes, he, you know, if he sees it heading off in that direction, he'll just, you know, take a hard right turn to take it in the other direction, and, and it aggravates a fire out of me because, you know, my flesh wants to go there too, but I understand why he's doing it, and I appreciate it. 
And so there are times that we'll, that we'll come in here and we're all kind of like, yeah, boy, let's get one. You know, and Wayne's ready to bring it down. And then there are other times, you know, where I come in and it's kind of bring it down and Wayne, you know, does one of those, let's all get in a line and dance songs, you know, kind of thing. Because he's trying to follow the Spirit. It's not like, hey, we've got the formula down, and we know this works, so let's do it. And everybody will come in and go, wow, we love the worship. And this isn't just something that charismatic worship environments fall, are liable to fall into. I mean, I love a great worship band. I love a great orchestra. I love great songs and and. and Beautiful voices. I love beautiful settings. Uh, I'm into that kind of stuff. I really am. This is the, the Sainty Chapel in, in Paris. Louis IX built it. And when you walk into this place, it's kind of like, <gasps> you can't imagine that, this much, that glass holds this stuff up so much. And it's not just any glass. The whole Bible is, is on is written in that in that glass. It's not words, but the the whole all of the stories are there all around. And I I you know I love things like that. But the question is, can you worship without the thing that you love, the thing that you love? I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Can you worship without it? Can the decent and in order person connect with God when things get messy? Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner one time. And, and somehow or another, this woman who had a pretty bad reputation in town ended up in the, coming in the house as well. And she wept and she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and and dried it with her hair and, and, and kissed his feet and poured perfume on his feet. And, and the Pharisee was going, if this man were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that is. And he wouldn't be letting her touch him. Sometimes we have a hard time going into worship that we're uncomfortable with because of the way that we're wired. And Jesus said to him, you, you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't pour any oil on my head. But she's poured perfume on my feet, and therefore I tell you, her sins, though they are many, have been forgiven. She loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And he who loves little worships little, has a little bitty box in which they can worship. And he who loves much. Can the anything goes person worship and connect with God in a setting where anything absolutely does not go? I mean, this works both ways. When Margaret and I uh, are on vacation, 
We always go to church, and I'm sure you do too. At least I hope you do. So crazy. I, I, you know, when I, when I was growing up, if, if a church-going person went on vacation, there's no question. They went to church. That's what they do. You know, nowadays, a person goes on vacation, they're on vacation. Boy, it got quiet in here, didn't it? They're on vacation. I hadn't heard many amens out there. They go on vacation. I'm on vacation, yeah. Well, that's what? Is Sunday not still Sunday? Is it not still the first day of the week? Very early in the morning, the women went to the tomb. Remember that story? And he wasn't there anymore. And so we started worshiping him on the first day of the week. Anyway, we, we go. And normally, we, we almost never go to a church that's like this one. I, I, I love to go to these other churches. Not, not uh, I mean, I'm wired. I don't want to live there because this is how I'm wired. Uh, you know, uh, as I was saying in the early service, most of you are, you're, you're almost anything goes people. You know, if you were anything goes people, you wouldn't come here. But uh, unless you're almost anything goes person, then you wouldn't come here either. So y'all are almost anything goes people. That's what you are. Has to line up with the word, but anyway. Uh, we go to the, and, and I just, you know, I, I, if we're, we'll go to an, uh, uh, an Anglican or liturgical type service. This last time we went, uh, we were out of town two Sundays, we went to a Baptist church. And it wasn't, you know, one of your new Baptist churches. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't Life Point or something. It was a Baptist, Baptist church. And, uh, and it was great. It was wonderful. I don't know if I could have taken three Sundays of it, but, uh, you know. <laughs> For two Sundays, I, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed seeing the heart of the people. Enjoyed seeing, the, I felt the presence of God in those places. And that's, 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 what, that's what the heart of the worship is. Isaiah, Isaiah says, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is made up of rules taught by men. And we, we all have our rituals, whether your ritual is bowing at the altar or uh, three hymns and a and a and a, and a twenty minute sermon, or or dancing in the river. Whatever your whatever your ritual is, we all have our rituals, and any ritual can become dead. Any ritual can. It's the heart that matters, and so we have to worship with all of our heart. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I didn't have Wayne sing that song this week. We'll get around to it next week, maybe, because I. I, I love that song, 10,000 Reasons. The term my soul occurs almost 50 times in the NIV, and, and these are the kinds of things that are attached to the phrase bitterness of soul, anguish of soul, sorrow of soul, downcast soul, rejoicing of soul, music of soul, lifting up of soul, the blessing of soul. The soul is poured out it's thirsty it longs it pants it yearns it finds rest and so i i feel like that to me when i think of when i think of the soul i tend to equate that with the emotions because to me that's that's what that's what it is that's getting these are emotions people they're they're smiling buttons and frowning buttons and in between buttons which is where most of y'all are right now, right in between. And I try to preach to reach both. I try, I try to, to preach 
to reach both the mind and, and the soul because the person who, who responds to the, to the soul needs to have their mind stirred up and the person that tries to do it intellectually, it's all, it's all there on this intellectual plane. Uh, they're, they're not getting anywhere at all because you don't engage till your emotions engage. You don't really care until, until your motion, emotions are there. Uh, but I grew up in a, in, a, in a culture where emotions were valued. A, they, were, they were the trump. They trumped everything else. Um, and I've seen that it can lead to extreme shallowness. Uh, I hope most of you are familiar with this scripture. Jesus was likening the word to uh, seed and the hearts that receive it to four different kinds of soil. And the second kind of soil, it says, the one who receives the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Now, when it says rocky places, it's not talking about, uh, you know, a field with a bunch of rocks in it. It's talking about Middle Tennessee rocky places. It's talking about bedrock. It's talking about you get down just a little ways and bam, you've, you've hit something big. He receives it, and it uh, at once with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, it quickly falls away. When offense comes, they quickly fall away. When it gets boring, they quickly fall away. You know, when the music fades, they quickly fall away. And so it can't just be about emotions. Uh, those of you who have been here for a number of years have heard me mention Kenneth Ware and he was a missionary to the, uh, the gypsies in, in uh, France in the middle of the last century. And that, that's a, that sounds like a strange thing to say, the middle of the last century, but it is. Uh, but one of, the, one of the most profound things I've heard him say uh, to my pastor at the time up in Hendersonville, it was, it was one of those anything goes churches. And I, I remember him, he said to the pastor, he said, before you let the people leave, be sure to bring them back down. Be sure they have their feet on the ground. Don't, don't send them out high. And I thought, wow, that, that's, that's incredible. Because what he was talking about, he was talking about the Elijah syndrome. And uh, the Elijah syndrome, you know, Elijah called fire down out of heaven on Mount Carmel and killed 450 prophets of Baal and... and had a three-year drought break with a deluge all on the same day. Woo! Talk about a, talk about a service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy. And the next day, 24 hours later, he was running for his life and begging God, take me now. I'm just, I'm no good. Take me away now. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because every single one of us are subject to it. You, you get that spiritual high, and then the next thing you know, everything just comes crashing down. It all, all kind of... It, the, the, the answer is to not ever go to the mountaintop. I mean, there are, there are some things you can only see from the mountaintop. So you need to go there occasionally, just like there are some things that you only see in the valley. But... What you need to understand is that when you're at the mountaintop, it doesn't keep going up. It goes back down the other side. It's a fallen world. Now, one of these days, it'll just keep on going up and up and up and up and up. But you won't be here when that happens. And I won't either. That means that we, that we go away to the other place. 
And we're not here. No more football. No more lifetime. No more shopping. <sighs> Nevertheless, our worship is not complete until it touches our emotions. Our emotions engage when we really care. You know, some people come to church because they feel guilty. Some people come to church because they feel an obligation. Some people come because they like the atmosphere. They like Jeff peanut butter. They like Coke better than Pepsi. And they like the atmosphere. And that's really why they're here. But all of these things are miserable substitutes for true worship. Miserable substitutes. When our emotions engage, he becomes beautiful. When our emotions engage, our defenses fall down. When our, when our emotions engage, it, we, we, then we can enter into that place where like John on the Isle of Patmos, we hear a voice that says, come up here, let me show you something that you haven't seen before. None of that happens until the emotions click in. All our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Have you ever noticed that Saturday night and Sunday morning are when all the stuff happens? Do you all know who the devil is? Yeah. Okay. Don't want you to name names. But I mean, you know about the devil. You know, hey, he does stuff. And for some reason, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I mean, if, if, if somebody's going to get sick, they're going to get sick on Saturday night. If the car's going to break down, it's going to break down on Saturday night or Sunday morning. You know, Cousin Ethel's going to call on Sunday morning and say, hey, we're coming over today. <laughs> you know, and we just don't have the guts to say, well, we won't be here. You can come over about 1 o'clock. Yeah, we'll be here then. We'd love to see you. All of this stuff happens on, on, on Sunday morning. Count on it. And Saturday night, count on it. And once you know that, knowledge is power. Paul, in speaking to the Corinthians, uh, he was talking about a guy that had sinned and, and uh, he had he had repented and they hadn't forgiven him. And Paul said, I've forgiven him and you need to forgive him too because we don't want Satan out with us. We know what his schemes are. He's a very predictable guy. And you know what his schemes are. And when you do, you can, be, you can fight them. You can, be, you can be ready for them. I got a call at 5.30 this morning. And normally a 5.30 call in the morning, you're not good. You're right, especially when you're the pastor. So you get up and you go answer that phone, and you don't really expect it to be, you, you, you know, you, you don't really, in one way you're relieved, but in other ways that's not the right word. When what you hear on the other side is, oh, man, I must have turned over and hit my phone. And... That doesn't ever happen on Thursday night. Yeah. 
Once you arrive here, there's a thousand things fighting for your attention. Did I leave the stove on? Yeah. How do I handle this situation at work? Will, will the Titans win today? I, I, wonder, I wonder if Larry's going to be playing today. I wonder if Steve's going to be playing today. Oh, I wonder if they're going to do this song today. I mean, they're just, it's too cold. It's too hot. It's, it's, oh no, he's preaching again. I mean, seriously, there's a thousand things fighting for your attention, but you know that. You know that, and, and what, what you do, Paul, Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And for years, I would come into church, and I, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe I've finally gotten over the hump, but I'd come into church, and, and consciously, I would go, whatever I brought in, I'm going to drop. Whatever I brought in gets laid at the cross. Whatever, whatever I brought in is going to get checked at the door. It's not coming in here with me because that's not why I'm here. I'm here for him. I mentioned I grew up in an emotional culture and, and the intellectual side was actually it was mistrusted if not despised. Uh, in the world, it often seems to be a matter of pitting e uh, emotion against against intellect you either go you either one or the you're either the the smart guy or the cool guy you know one or, the, one or the other and in the church it's often you know well they're they're dead they're just a dead intellectual church or they're just an emotional bunch of crazies you know uh -uh. no 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 god god gave us both of them and they're they're intended to work in weave through our lives and when they do it's a beautiful thing when they connect when they when they go together because that's the way he made us i am astounded at the lack of biblical knowledge in the charismatic church i mean seriously we we know all the latest songs we know how to play a bunch of the riffs, and we got our five proof texts down. We know, we know the five verses that we've learned to, you know, cast out demons and stuff, and we've gotten this far, you know, and then somebody comes along and says, uh, now who was Abraham married to? Uh, who's Abraham? Okay, yeah, that's, that's probably a little over the top, but it's... <laughs> But it's close. It's close. We shouldn't despise. We need to. We worship him with, with all of our with all of our mind. Uh, if the mind isn't important, it wouldn't be listed as one of those those things that are supposed to be engaged in the first and greatest commandment. I'm thankful for those who've applied their their minds to the service of the body of Christ and to the worship of God. I mean, without them, you'd have to learn Greek or Hebrew to read the Bible. You know, without them, there would be no great apologetics with which to, to, to try and, and reach the world. Without them, we, we'd be a disorganized mess. Much of the drier parts of the Old Testament, when you, when you stop to think about it, much of those parts that you kind of go, oh, no, we're here, are, are parts that, that involve organizational in instructions. They involve record-keeping they involve building plans I mean over in Ezekiel where he describes the new temple I'm sure that there are people who look at that and kind of go oh wow that's so cool I gotta draw this thing I gotta you know I read it and I 
But I want to see that thing. Somebody's got to put it together. Somebody's got to understand those instructions. Somebody's got to, to come along with it without, without the people focusing their minds. There would be no cathedrals, no Bach, no amazing grace, no much of the beauty that, that lifts us up toward God. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Now let me just say this. This isn't a quote from the Bible, but the concept is all the way through it. Actions do indeed speak louder than words. And for years, I, I, I thought of uh, this in terms of physical expression, and, and, it, and it still is. I mean, you know, there's still, physically, you still need to be engaged. And one of, the, one of the things that Praise in Motion does, whether you ever dance or not, whether you ever look at them or not. And you know what? If they're distracting to you, don't look at them. They're not why you came. But whether you even look at them or not, they release something physical in this room. And release something physical. And when, when we become physically engaged in worshiping the Lord, it releases something inside, inside of us. But that, that was, as I've been studying for this series and reading and rereading, especially Romans 12, 1, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I've come to see this more in light of Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah is instructed to go to the house of the Lord and stand in the gate and there proclaim this message in the house of the Lord to the people of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Reform your ways and your actions. Deal with each other justly. Not just what's best for you. Do not oppress the alien not talking about area 51 the fatherless or the widow do not shed innocent blood and he's not just talking about in your country do not follow other gods to your own harm look you're you're trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. This is the word of the Lord to his house. Worship isn't about words. I mean, we're, our words are important, but our actions are more so. Jesus said a man had two sons. He asked them to go work in the field. One of them said, no, nah, I'm not going to go. And one of them said, yeah, I'll go. But then later on, the one who said he wouldn't go changed his mind and went. And the one who said he would go never got around to doing it. Which one obeyed his father? Actions, how we treat the alien and the needy and the innocent is an act of worship that pleases God if we treat them as he instructs us. And without the proper actions, all we have are deceptive words. And when it says, with all of your strengths, we, we, we kind of get this Samson image or something in mind. I always thought great strength. It doesn't say with great strength. This is with all of your strength. If you've got a little strength, that's fine. He doesn't require you to have big strength. He requires you to have your strength and employ it 
in the worship of him. The ultimate worship experience is one where our actions line up with our words, our minds are focused, our emotions are engaged, and our hearts are connected to the true heart of worship. Why we're here, who we're here for, who, and, and when I say here, I don't mean this house, I mean this, this world, this planet, this life that he has given us. That's the heart of worship. Would you stand with me? <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. You know, I love it. One Sunday you get Barbie and everybody comes down and cries. And then you get me. And that's okay because you need both. You need both. And, and you know what? Just because I'm preaching doesn't mean you can't come down and cry. I'm sure y'all all want to do that now, right? <laughs> oh, and just because Barbie's preaching doesn't mean you don't leave with something to chew on. You do. Those who are going to pray with people who come forward at this time. If you're here, if you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to him. If this is real life. It doesn't matter how, what you've done, how far you've fallen, how black your sins are. His blood, His blood can make you righteous. And it feels good to be righteous. So if you need to know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to Him. If you're here and you do know Christ, one thing I do know is you're living in a fallen world. So you have issues, things come up. And if you need prayer for something, you come forward. God loves to do stuff for his children, loves to be asked, just like you do. And if you don't need to come forward, let's worship for a few moments. Create an atmosphere for those who do.
seconds here and elaborate on something. I said, I, I said, I, I normally go to a church that's not like this one. It's, it's kind of a barometer for me. For, there's two reasons why. First of all, you know, as a pastor, I kind of see things a little differently. And if I go to a church that's kind of like this one, which I've done on a couple occasions, I have a real hard time not sitting there going, how does this compare? And that's not why I want to be at church. And so, you know, I go to one where there's nothing to compare. And I'm just there. I'm just there for him. And I can enjoy, enjoy the way others worship him. I just wanted to clarify that. It's a barometer. And I want to find out that I still can connect with him. Even in a setting where I don't have the stuff that I normally got. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that we might have life and have it to the full. May you engage with Him in all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. May your love and your worship be wholehearted, single-minded, emotionally engaged, May your actions combine with your words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.